Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Back your Bibles, turn quickly to Matthew chapter 10, Matthew 10, and we're going to begin verse 26. These are the words of Jesus. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about courage. Everyone say courage. So we're going to be talking about courage and mission and uh, how they relate. I think it's important that we, we have courage. Courage uh, simply means, um, and I think it's in low supply in our culture, but courage uh, means to have the ability to overcome fear. How many of you want that? It's the ability, or we could call it a virtue, to overcome uh, fear. Courage also comes from a Latin word, which means heart. So courage, by definition, simply means to have heart when you feel afraid. How many of you want that? I think we all want that. So here we come in Matthew chapter 10, verse uh, 26. This is what Jesus says. He's just given uh, a mission to his disciples. He's given them authority, power. He's empowered them to go on mission. And this is what he says. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Verse 27, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear. Everyone say, do not fear. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head today are all numbered. Fear not. Everyone say, fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also, or I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're here uh, today, and Lord, we just thank you for your grace, and Lord, we sent your sweet presence here. Lord, we just thank you for blessing everyone on this, this Labor Day, and Lord, if there's anyone who after this is going to go up into the mountains, the camp. Lord, I just ask that you would change their hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So I want to talk about courage. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit about following Jesus and being on mission. We've talked about the practice of hospitality. We've talked about welcoming strangers. We've talked about tabling. Uh, we talked about um, generosity, giving your goods, right? Uh, your resources, your stuff to further the kingdom of God. Essentially, the last year we've been talking about picking up your cross and to deny yourself, and all of that involves risk. To follow Jesus, to be on mission, uh, requires risk, uh, self-giving love, uh, helping people, uh, making a decision not to worry about tomorrow, believing that the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, is actually true. All of that takes courage. Um, courage, as I mentioned, is in low supply uh, because we live in a culture that traffics in fear and anxiety, exploits our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, our, our inadequacy. You see it on TV, like if you don't get this Mercedes, then there's something wrong with you, right? Or if you don't have that denim or those shoes, then your status as a human being, your worth as a human being is somehow devalued. Uh, fear is the background noise 
of our culture. It's kind of like, anyone like elevator music? Okay. Exactly. None of us likes elevator music. Um, but the background noise, the elevator music, the playlist, whatever, the unthought in the words of Charles Taylor, uh, a, a social philosopher, uh, is fear. Fear is the cultural landscape. Um, or the cultural landscape is shaped by the shadows of like low-grade anxiety. This is the culture that we live in. Um, we have, and we talk about this a lot, this, and I'm not trying to be negative. I just kind of want to describe kind of what we all uh, feel and live in every day. There's this never-ending news cycle. Uh, we have school shootings. We have road rage. We have the threat of terrorism. Uh, we have serial killers. Uh, there's podcasts that like is totally talks about serial killers and all that. And some of you love that kind of stuff on Netflix. You have super viruses. Uh, you have flesh-eating viruses. I just read a story this uh, two weeks ago, and it really tripped me out. Um, I didn't know this, but there's like dangerous saliva or lethal um, bacteria in the saliva of your dog. So check your dog out or get rid of your dog, whatever. And so, I, to be honest, I caught myself freaking out. And then, you know, it just I heard that Ebola has made a comeback in Africa. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, there's, there's so much in our world to uh, be afraid of. And we talk about this probably ad nauseum when it comes to commercials. But I, I, the, the commercial, when it comes to, like, medications that list all the side effects, the negative side effects, it's, it's troublesome, Right? My wife and I, we always laugh about it. It's like essentially they give you, okay, here's some medica medication for your little cough, um, but there's also a good chance that you'll die a horrible death. That's, you know, they traffic in, they traffic in fear, our world does. Uh, 2020, there's a special a long time ago that like emphasized um, the importance of getting the right surgeon because there was one story, actually a couple stories, where patients... Uh, who were um, in surgery, their face caught on fire, and then one of, the, one of the, the, the commentators in 2020 turned to the camera and said, this could happen to you. <laughs> so it's, there's fear, right? How many of you, just by the, by the show of hands, you would say, yeah, that's kind of the feel of our cultural um, landscape. Uh, and because there's so much fear, there's also a lot of talk about safety, Safety talk is, is huge, like safe parenting. We're, my, if you don't know this, my wife and I were uh, pregnant. My wife's pregnant with, we're not pregnant. My wife is pregnant with twin boys. And uh, so we're talking about how, okay, we're in that season where we got to baby proof and we got to make everything safe. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, as parents, how many parents do we have here? You, you, you got to talk about those things, right? So you got to take care of your kids, and you got the Christian radio stations. Again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with this, but their slogan is safe for the family. So safe talk, safety. We talk about vaccinations and uh, baby-proofing everything. Uh, and I, I, I realized over the last few years, my conversation with my kids has, and I had this honest conversation with my wife is uh, kind of centered around being careful. So I got to tell my boys, hey, you got to be careful. Now, how many of you know we need to be wise? So we need to be careful. Uh, so it's not a good, uh, it's not a good um, thing to put your hand in the blender, right? So we got to be careful. It's not good to um, kick um, each other in the throat, is what I can tell my boys, right? It's uh, not good to talk to clowns. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. So we need to be careful, right? But it's funny, I, I found myself telling my kids, it was like d dominating my conversation or my relationship with my kids is you gotta be careful. And I realized, oh my gosh, 
behind all this safety and concern that I have for the well-being of my children is this insatiable fear that I have. So I've made a decision that, yes, I'm still going to talk to my kids about being careful, not talking to clowns, not talking to strangers, being wise, doing the right thing. But I also, as I talk to my kids about being careful, I also want to talk to my kids about being courageous. Here's the thing, though. Fear, it's a spirit. The Bible makes it very clear that it's a spirit, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Perfect love, John tells us, casts out all fear. Fear, though, because it's a spirit, it's inexorable. In other words, it's relentless. It's exploitative. It looks for vulnerabilities. It looks for weakness. In other words, it's predatory, like a grizzly bear. Did you know grizzly bears have the the 10 times the sense of smell than a bloodhound? Okay, that freaked me out. I was thinking about that as I was camping the whole time. Like fear is, is kind of like Murphy's Law. Like Murphy's Law, what can go wrong will go wrong. It probably messed that up. Uh, but many of us, like we, we don't even realize it, but our default is being afraid. It's kind of automatic. It's kind of like a habit. It's kind of like a part of our background noise. And so when we feel peace, we're waiting for something bad to happen. A lot of people kind of operate like that. And that's fear. Fear, um, ultimately, when you strip it down to its roots, it questions the goodness of God. Ultimately, what it's about. But here's the thing. Here's the nasty thing about fear. It works in ambiguity. It works in hidden places, and I'll talk about that. It's hard. Some of you don't even know it, but you're afraid today. You know you feel bad. You know you feel like off, you know, you feel like you have the blues, you, f- you feel kind of like quasi-depressed, or you have this low-grade anxiety, but you can't put your name to it. That's fear. Fear work- works as a wordless darkness in your heart. It tries to confuse us. So fear is a, a dominant, a dominant in- influence in our culture. St. Thomas Aquinas he um, used uh, or described fear uh, as a way to describe contraction. In other words, for St. Thomas Aquinas, fear causes a contraction of the heart. In other words, when you're afraid, you retreat, you withdraw. That's why it's important to live courageous if we want to fulfill the mission of God. If we're serious about welcoming strangers, if we're serious about practicing hospitality, and picking up our cross and denying ourselves, we're going to have to address fear. If we want to enter into the courageous life, we first have to identify fear or anxiety in our hearts. Uh, Homo incurvatus in se is a Latin phrase that Martin Luther 500 years ago uh, coined as a way to describe the human condition, which is the humans curved in on themselves. This is what happens when you're afraid. You curve in on yourself. You turn in on yourself, and then what happens is fear exaggerates your circumstances. Courage, though, is the antithesis to this. Courage, as I kind of mentioned, it's, it's your ability to overcome fear. Courage is to be open to God's expansive love. God is in charge, and God's called us to be courageous. Amen? So how? How do we enter into the courage that God wants 
for us. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, you have to replace your fear with something bigger. You got to stink and do it. Want to make sure you're awake this morning. You got to replace your fear with something bigger. Uh, I, I had a fear going up, and I didn't tell anybody on our way up to hike and to camp for uh, two days and one night. Uh, about 3 o'clock, I obsessed. We got there about 2, set up camp. Joel King set up everything for me. Can you give it up for Joel King? If it wasn't for Joel King, I'd be dead right now. <laughs> Love Joel. And uh, I, I got to be honest, kind of the background noise for me was, and it was about 3 o'clock, I was thinking about what was going to happen at 3 o'clock in the morning. This was my worst fear. Like it was about 15 degrees, right? About 15 degrees, about three or four o'clock in the morning. I had five layers on and I was anticipating as we were setting up camp in the afternoon that about three o'clock, I don't mean to be graphic, but this is my fear that I would have to go to the bathroom, right? You have to take off the layers. You have to unzip, you're exhausted, unzip the tent. And then you have to go out into the darkness with who knows what is out there. And so I, I got to be honest, I was thinking about that over and over. I wasn't talking to anybody about it. And then about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, as we kind of got done with uh, setting up camp, and it started to snow, it was amazing, guys, and uh, we had the fire going, uh, we started talking about bears. And instantly, instantly, I lost my fear of going to the bathroom at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> because I realized there were bigger things Come on. There were bigger things to be afraid of. Everyone in this room, please don't be dishonest with yourself this morning. I don't care if you're Steve Martinez. Steve Martinez is pretty much the, most, the strongest guy that I know. We all have fears and more than one. Okay? So hear this. Our fears, if you want to overcome your fear, our fears need to be overwhelmed by something bigger and better and larger and more grand than what you're experiencing. The only way you can replace your fears is by replacing it with something bigger. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples. Hey guys, when you're on mission and you're practicing my way, and you're welcoming strangers, and I've sent you out, I've given you authority, and people are coming against you, the only way that you can address your fear is you have to fear your Father in heaven. Not in a way because we think our Father in heaven it, it, it traffics in unmitigated destruction. Not because you don't need to be afraid of your Father because he doesn't love you, Quite the contrary. Your father, Jesus makes it very clear, knows every hair on your head. Your father's not indifferent. He loves you with a perfect love, but your father is the one who built out the cosmos. He's the one that oversees your future. So if you're afraid of your future, just so you know, the good news is that your father in heaven is already there. We, when, we, when you look through the Old Testament, you kind of get a sense that um, our Father in heaven exists tenselessly, meaning he's not relegated to the past, he's not relegated to the present, nor is he relegated to the future. Your God exists above um, past and present and future tenses. He is tenseless. So if, if you need some help with your past, just, just so you know, God's already there. 
If you need some help with your, with your present, just so you know, God is already there. If you need help with your future, just so you know, your Father in heaven is already there. He built your future. He oversees your future. He's the one that wrote every single day of your life. There's a book that we find in Psalm 139 that God wrote your story. And he works out everything for your good according to his purpose at work in you. So if we want to overcome fear and we want to live the courageous life, we got to first replace our fears with something bigger. Why? Well, because this, this illuminates how important our thoughts are. How you think is really important. In fact, there's an inextricable relationship between the way you think and the way you feel. Many of us, please, please hear me. Many of us think that depression and anxiety and fear is simply like a random disorder, right? The feels, have you ever had the weird feels? Okay, you, you, you felt moody, you felt blue, you felt like there was something off, like you, and you couldn't put your, you couldn't put words to it. Many, many of us think that depression or fear and anxiety is like an emotional disorder. It's arbitrary, it's untethered from your life or the way you think, and that's false. How you feel, please hear me, how you feel is the result of the way you look at things. In fact, um, we really don't have a fear problem or an anxiety problem. We have a focus problem. Because what you focus on will determine how you feel. So if you focus on God who, is, who's, who built out the cosmos, right, who oversees quarks and supernovas and superstring theory and built everything, and he's the one that gave his son for the world and who died for us and was buried and then on the third day came back from the dead, and you begin to focus on who God is. You don't try to believe in God. You just focus on who God is. You'll experience righteousness. You'll experience peace. You'll experience joy. You'll experience hope. You'll experience life and life more abundantly. The reason why we don't experience life and life more abundantly and we live lives defined by low-grade anxiety is because we're focusing on the wrong things. And fear wants to exaggerate your circumstances. I love Amos chapter five. He kind of puts it, because fear and dealing with fear is all about perspective. Amos chapter five, this is in the message translation, uh, just a couple verses in verse seven. says, woe to you, he's ta- talking to the powers, who turn justice to vinegar and stomp righteousness into the mud. Do you realize where you are? You're in a cosmos star flung with constellations by God. This is a world God wakes up. In other words, Amos is saying, hey guys, God's in charge. Not tyrants, not the powers, not circumstances, not invisible forces, right? Uh, God is the one who is overseeing it all. This is a world God wakes up each morning and puts to bed each night. God dips water from the ocean and gives the land a drink. God, God revealed, does all this. And he can destroy it as easily as make it. He can turn this vast wonder into total waste. So be afraid. But he's good. But be afraid. But know he's good. And be okay with that tension. 
Jeremiah chapter one, here's a call story. This is all about sending a young man on mission. And uh, we have Jeremiah as a prophet. And we begin in verse four. God is uh, speaking to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah writes in verse four, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So God's saying, I'm in charge, Jeremiah. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I know exactly who you are. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God. That worked for a service. It didn't quite work then. <laughs> I said it better for a service. Anyways, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Verse 7, but the Lord said to me, I love this. God doesn't really give a rationale why he shouldn't be afraid. He just simply says, do not say I am only a youth. He doesn't explain why. But he says, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Verse 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So God doesn't give Jeremiah, and I love this. There's, there's a tete-a-tete between God and Jeremiah. They're having a little conversation, in other words. And uh, Jeremiah has an objection to the call. He's like, I'm a youth, I can't speak. God doesn't give a rationale of why he shouldn't believe that. What does God do? He simply redirects his focus. He says, do not say, he didn't like go on paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of why he shouldn't be afraid. He just simply said, do not say, but go and say. That's God responding to the objection of Jeremiah. What is God implicitly saying? You have the wrong focus. I, I, think, it's, I think we all do this. We complicate our lives by focusing on things that God is not talking about. We obsess. It's in, the, it's in our background. It's, it's like it's that elevator music. We obsess over things that God is not talking about. That's not germane to the call of God. It's not relevant. That's not tethered to our lives. And we, we live by it. And if, if we're not careful, we allow things that God is not concerned about to define us. And if we do that, it will eventually keep us from God's mission. To serving and loving people. So, how do we overcome fear? we got to overcome fear by replacing our fears with something bigger and greater and better, and his name is Jesus. Number two, this is a quick point. I hope you like this as I like this. I think the courageous life cannot be done alone. You can't be full of courage by yourself. I think it's ridiculous. There's no such thing as a solitary hero. I believe that we are called to be a part of a community and a church. And when we're a part of that community and church, we enter into God's courage. For example, I was able this um, beginning of this week to bear the risks, check this out, of hypothermia and exposure, the threat of bear attacks, dragging me out, stalking me, dragging me out, and chewing on my flesh. All right, let's move on. Bear the risk of starvation and death by Joe King took us on the side of this mountain and felt like we were on a cliff. So I was able to bear the risk of falling off a cliff to my death because I was with my friends. I was with Leon. Leon barely made it, but I was with Leon. I was with Shane and Joel and Marshall. Marshall is, Marshall is a genetic freak. He's amazing. 
Uh, I was with friends, 13 of them, Dexter and Mr. Grove and Jason Moores. I saw you, Jason. He, he was in the back, and Jason is probably one of the most incredible guys that I know. He was taking care of all of us. I knew that I could bear any risk because I was with other people. So when it became nighttime and I heard weird noises and rocks crashing around us, I knew Bob Grove was right here. I knew Joel King was right here. I knew Leon was over there, and he was going to get it probably before I got it. Ezekiel was over here, and I, man, Ezekiel is the most amazing hiker. I just, and Goose was in, um, uh, what do you call it, a little hammock, and he probably was going to get it before me. I, that's a, I'm a little sick when I thought about that, but I just, I was surrounded. I was surrounded by friends, and I knew 13 of us could handle a grizzly bear. You can't be courageous by yourself. In fact, when we come to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus uses the indicative sense to describe who we are. And he says, uh, in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city. Everyone say a city. You are, not using the plural, not using the singular you, but Jesus is using the plural you. You are a city set on a hill, and it cannot be hidden. Verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is not using the singular you. He's using the plural you. Basically, if you lived in the South, Jesus would be saying, you all, y'all, right? Is that the way you say it? Usually in the Western world, we think like all these ethical sayings that we find in the New Testament, it refers to us as individuals. No, 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 no. Jesus says, no, you as a community, you are a city. No one can be a city by themselves. No one, let's just kind of take this out a little bit further. No one can love by themselves. No one can have faith by themselves. And I'm convinced, this is my simple argument here, no one could live the courageous life and really be on mission by themselves. There is just something about having a group of people centered around a mission and serving the city and having courage that you can't get by yourself. Some of you are trying to serve God. Some of you are trying to follow God. Some of you are trying to do mission all by yourself. I promise you it will never work. God still loves you. God has a great plan for you. But hey, we are in this mission together. God's called us to be a family. And it's in the community that we find courage. Finally, the last thing when it comes to addressing and overcoming um, fear is we have, to, we have to name it. We have to speak to it. We have to identify it. The Bible's pretty clear about sin. We have to confess our sins. And when we confess our sins, God comes and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The same is true with fear. We gotta confess our fears and our anxieties, which implies that we gotta be vulnerable with each other. We gotta be honest about um, our issues with commitment. 
our issues with inadequacy, our issues with fear, our issues with maybe low-grade anxiety. Too many times in our culture, we stigmatize fear or depression or worry or just flat out being frightened. It's okay to be, to, to be frightened because Jesus always meets us where we're at. It's not okay to stay frightened. But it's okay to start there and to be honest and open your life to Jesus and letting Jesus heal your fear and your anxiety as you confess it. It's funny, when we got up um, to our campsite, I'm a pretty serious guy. I'm not like the biggest, I'm not a funny guy necessarily, but I just started joking. I just started, I just started joking about, and please don't think less of me, but about all the apocalyptic possibilities that could befall us. So I was joking about like all these ways that we could die. Then everybody else started joking about all these different scenarios. And you know what? I realized what I was doing. I was joking about these scenarios because behind it, I was naming my fears by being funny. And Ezekiel knows that. He was, Ezekiel, I love you. You laughed at all my jokes. Thank you. I was joking about certain things that I was afraid of. And it's funny how when you name something, you take authority over it. The problem with fear is that it works and traffics in confusion. It wants to remain hidden. Fear wants to stay hidden. If you expose it, you take authority over it. Once you confess it, you get power over it. But if you have no idea what you're fighting against, there's no way you'll be able to deal with the unpeace that you feel and the paralysis of analysis that you experience. All those things that take place in your mind that are defined by fear and anxiety you will never get free from if you first don't speak to it, if you first don't identify it, if you don't actually open your heart and be honest and tell somebody that you're afraid. When you open your life to God and you name your fear, you experience his peace. Fear grows in hidden places. Uh, as we close, I do wanna pray for you um, this last year we moved, my wife and I moved and we had like a little, in the process of moving, I saw this table that we left upside down, uh, through the winter. And so I had the responsibility of turning and I knew something bad was going to happen, but I had the responsibility of turning this table right side up. You ever done that before? You know that there's something underneath growing and I turned it right side up and there was fungus and moss and creatures I'd never seen before, Right scurrying everywhere. And I, I think that's kind of a picture of uh, a fear. Fear if it's left unchecked. Number one, fear wants to work in hidden places, dark places. It's a wordless darkness. And if you don't expose it to the light, it will grow frightening creatures in your life. We have a sermon series we're gonna get into in a couple months, and it's all about how your thoughts will become things. If you don't expose fear to the light of God's truth by simply being honest, you will grow that fear and anxiety and it will exaggerate what you can't do and you will minimize God's power to help and to empower you to be on mission. So let's pray today. Can I pray that God would set us free from fear? 
Can I pray that God would raise us up to live courageous lives? I don't know about you, but I want the courage to do the right thing. I want the courage to speak the truth to the powers. I want the courage to follow Jesus. I want the courage to pick up my cross and deny myself every single day. I want the courage to believe that when I ask God for something that lines up with his will, he's gonna give it to me. What we need is courage to believe that God's word is true. And the way we find courage is we gotta replace our fears with something bigger. We gotta be committed to meeting on Sundays and then hanging out during the week and connecting with people. And then we gotta have the courage to be vulnerable with each other. I'm afraid of this, you name it. I promise you, if you do that this week, you name your fear, you will experience so much freedom in your life. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com. 